Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon at Fountain City Church. We hope that you are blessed by this message today. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out our website at fountaincity.org. I take it in my weakness. All right, let's go. Genesis 1, verse 1. The Holy Spirit creates. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. Forgive me. Um, Our culture has created this really strange split between being and doing. Um, it's this overreaction of sorts because our culture is so obsessed with production that we've actually lost sight of the worth and the dignity of human life. But our pop cultural fix for this is to just downplay our work and what we do and to learn how to just be. You guys heard this in our language. Like we're human doings, not, or, sorry, we're human beings, not human doings. And now I just have to confess, I hate that saying. I get it. But I hate it. It's cringy. It's, it's cheesy to me. And I think it also reinforces the problem of breaking apart our being from our doing. And uh, our being and doing aren't meant to be separated. They actually flow from the same spirit who started everything. Uh, in fact, problematically, the first line of the first sentence of the first page of the first book of the Bible offers us a bit of a jarring reality. It tells us that God, who is the infinite being... The great I am, it tells us that he introduces himself firstly by what he does. Interesting. And in the beginning, God tells us that he creates. The first impression we get of the infinite God of the universe is of his passion and his commitment to make stuff. And you can imagine if you were meeting God for the first time, you may come to him with all sorts of preconceived notions of what he's like. But this first glimpse you get into who he is, is into his infinite creativity. What does it tell us about God that he's first introduced to us as creator, as artist, painter, musician, producer, sculptor, dancer, designer, writer, maker of the cosmos, creator? This is our first glimpse into who God is. He is creative. C.S. Lewis writes to the magician's nephew that Aslan sings the world into being, and Genesis says that God speaks, and light and life burst forth, and they take shape around us. Now, we don't often pause to think about this as a central part of who God is, but it is incredibly important for us. And just after we hear that God created, we actually see that the Holy Spirit is participating in God's creation. What's he doing? Let's look at verse 2. It tells us that the Spirit was hovering over the blank chaos canvas of emptiness and darkness. He's hovering. That word for hovered in in the old language is the same as the word brooded, like a mama hen collecting her chicks to warm them and to love them. It's the same word as cherished or to be moved by love for something. And the Bible says that that's how the Holy Spirit approached the creation process. The process 
that gave birth to light and atmospheres and times and seasons to whales and waterfalls and dinosaurs to ladybugs and katydids uh, and boll weevils, wombats and walruses, mushrooms and microorganisms, riverbeds and gardens and galaxies, the sun in the sky and the poplar in the field, oaks and chestnuts and hollies, moss and mold and dirt and wheat and corn and clay and you. That the same God who breathed and brought love to every single one of those creations, that he comes to you with the same kind of love. He is moved with compassion for you. And it's fascinating that whenever the Spirit creates, two heavenly things begin to bloom. Beauty and order. Every time the Spirit is at work. In the testimonies this morning, in what God did in many of you ladies over the weekend, what the Spirit does in you shows up in beauty that brings order. The Holy Spirit sees darkness, and what does God do? He creates light, and God calls it good. One translation of that word good is beautiful. Ah, beautiful, right? Can you imagine that whatever God creates, he can step back and he can admire it for the beauty that it is. He sees emptiness and what does he do? He fills the earth with living plants and creatures and they are created with beauty. He sees chaos and disorder and what does he do? He creates an atmosphere and an environment to sustain life and he brings order that causes things to flourish. The Holy Spirit brings beauty and he brings order. And I think we kind of underrate beauty in our church tradition. I've been reflecting on that this week, you know, as we were renovating this building. We kind of whitewashed these walls. Have you looked around? They just look like one big canvas, don't they? One big, empty canvas. And like these walls, so many of our lives often are one big, empty canvas waiting for the Spirit to fill them with color and texture and power. And that as a community, is what we're calling out for. That God would take the empty walls of our lives and he would fill them with his personality and his beauty and his order. We seem to want to take beauty and creativity and just kind of add it into predictable doses into our worship services, but we forget that all beauty is meant to reveal God. All of it, everywhere. Like, I don't know the last time that you were just breathtaking when you were walking around town and came into some vista or some view over the river or a flower that had just come into full bloom and suddenly you can't help but to be taken by the beauty and to encounter the Lord. Anybody? Am I the only one? Like, when I'm outside, I've I've been um, out at Chrissy's family's property this week trying to get the land ready um, in case any deer decide to show up. Uh, And as I was doing that, I was just taken away by the beauty. Just trees overhanging the water and the moss just perfectly hanging and the way that the water ripples and shows order and dimension and time and space. I was breathtaking. We think we can just sprinkle a little bit of creativity and beauty onto things and make it like put a Jesus stamp on it. But here's the thing. When we participate in bringing beauty to the world, what we're actually doing is wiping dirt off of God's face and exposing something deeper about who he is. And when we, as people of God, when we commit to the art of bringing beauty into the world, we're exposing people to the greater dimension of who God is. Not just a two-dimensional black letters on white pages God who is confined to a church on Sunday mornings, but the God of creation 
who made everything out there. And the moment I see beauty, I'm drawn up into splendor and wonder. This is what he calls us to. And for some of you this morning, perhaps you're like, I don't know what beauty has to do with Jesus. And I would tell you it has everything, everything to do with Jesus. It has everything to do with Jesus. Certainly the Christian notion of beauty isn't confined to our church services, right? Like it's meant to shape culture. The things that God puts in you is meant to shape culture. And how about order? Like if you were an artist and you heard order right beside creativity, you probably shrieked a little bit. No, not that foul word order. Not discipline. Structure. What is structure? That's precisely what God brings about through beauty. God sees fit to bring order to things that creates life. He doesn't just create light, but he separates it from darkness and he sets it in spatial time. Order takes what would otherwise seem like random euphoria and it gives it boundaries so that it has purpose. And that purpose is the good of those who live near it, right? Like light without boundaries becomes a consuming fire, right? Like if there's not a bulb around this thing and it's just that light hanging down, it's going to scorch Casey's hair. He's going to be on fire this morning. (laughs) Did you say amen, Marty? It's a weird moment. So be it. Burn him, Lord. We got to work on our amen context. Whatever is beautiful needs a boundary. It needs order. Light has to have a boundary or it's consuming. The sun without the right distance from the earth becomes a fireball, right? Like it's nice. It warms us when it's up there. If it comes down here, we're doomed. Are you with me? We all love the beauty. What about the order? There is, there is order in the beauty. There is beauty in the order. Art without a canvas and texture and structure is just noise. And we all, like it or not, we appreciate order. We almost treat beauty and order like they're alter egos of each other, right? Like one is the freewheeling hippie sister and the other one is the anal retentive brother. These two like don't get along and they never play fair together. No. That's not it at all. God's beauty and his order are one thing. His beauty is his being and order is his doing. What flows from the beauty of God is something that gives structure and providence and builds flourishing for you to live. Isn't that interesting? That when God shows us his beauty, it actually creates order. Secondly, the Holy Spirit works through you to bring beauty and order into the world. Now, this is one of my favorites. Can anyone tell me who the first person is in the Bible that the Holy Spirit fills and why? Anybody? Don't put it up yet. Keep the miss. Hit me with it. Yes, Ellen. Yes. His name is Bezalel. The first person and a holy ab, those two guys, okay? Got to make it difficult. It's interesting. We, we read about the God who is ultimately creator and creative and builds order through beauty. And the first person that he fills with his Holy Spirit in the whole Bible is an artist. Wow. Exodus chapter 31, verse 1. And I'm using that word artist, but read in here, builder, carpenter, mason. Right? 
blacksmith, goldsmith, perfumer. This is a guy who knows how to do all the different art forms, and he knows how to train other people to do it. Incredible. Exodus 31.1 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I've chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Those words have never been mentioned in the Scriptures until now. I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Why? Listen, with wisdom, with understanding and knowledge and all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I've appointed Aholiab, son of Ahasimach, <laughs> that's a rough one, Ahasimach, of the tribe of Dan to help him. Also, I've given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I've commanded you. The tent of meeting, the ark of the covenant with the law of the atonement cover on it, and all the other furnishings of the tent. The table and its articles, the pure gold lampstand and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, and also the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron um, the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests, and the anointing oil and fragrant incense for the holy place. They are to make them just as I commanded you. The first person in the scriptures filled with the Spirit of God wasn't a politician who leads a nation. It wasn't a priest to make a sacrifice. It wasn't a prophet to declare a word. It was an artist and a builder and a mason and a painter and a dancer. He was filled with wisdom and knowledge and understanding to build the tent of meeting and everything that went into it. And why? Why? Because God wanted a partner to bring heaven to earth. Why is it that God chooses Cody Stringfellow or Cody Wing or Jasmine Durbin and fills us with the Spirit of God who is participating in the creation of the world, who brings beauty and order into the world? How come he fills you with that very spirit? And often we want to dial him down to like these minute spiritual moments in church and we forget that he is creating the world, and he is recreating the world in Christ. And what does he use? Art. Creativity, music, film, sculpting, goldsmith, perfuming, poetry. The things that God animates and orients that we would say those are common and too small. He takes and puts his spirit on and he breathes so that heaven comes to earth. The writer of Hebrews says that what Bezalel built were copies and shadows of things in heaven. Now listen to that. That the stuff that Bezalel and Aholiab are actually bringing into this place of the tent of meeting, it is a reality in heaven. Things with like real stuff, tangible stuff with dimension and shape and texture and proportion and color and fragrance and weight in heaven. And that the Holy Spirit teaches Bezalel how to replicate those things and to make heaven tangible on earth. You all got real quiet. In other words, God gave Bezalel heavenly gifts to create heavenly things so that people could experience the God of heaven himself. Friends, there is a divine purpose and strategy in the gifts that God 
has given to you. It's a divine purpose. It's not like you just learned a craft. You with me? You you didn't just pick up a skill set because mom was good at it. Like God gives divine strategy. He gives purpose in the stuff that he gives to us. It is to make heaven accessible to those who don't yet long for it. It is to build up the faith of those in the body who do see the Lord and submit to the Lord. There is something about this gift where the Spirit breathes on it and that creative purpose, the beauty and the order, awaken a deeper devotion to God in my life. It isn't simply to make money, right? It it isn't art for art's sake. There is purpose. There is strategy to what it is that God has placed in you. And the work of kingdom-minded artists and creators and administrators is to bring the ideas and the designs of heaven to earth so that people can encounter the God who loves them. Now, what I want to do today is restore some dignity to the supernatural purpose of God at work in you in the little things that you might call a hobby that are meant to draw people's gaze upward. They're meant to bring people into a an encounter that goes past logic, right? Like something happens in worship. I think it's why we've made worship such a big deal in most churches. It's the most easily tangible way that we bypass logic and something gets to my heart through art that I don't have to process. Are you with me? That, that, that's what that artistic thing does. Like all of my logical reasoning gets bypassed and it goes straight to my heart. And the Holy Spirit begins to move something in me. The work of kingdom-minded artists and creators and administrators is to bring these ideas to earth so that people can awaken to who God is, to this unfathomable experience of knowing Him. As Habakkuk writes, to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. You guys know me. I, I burn for like global missions and sending ministers all over the place. I love church planning. I talk about that stuff all the time. But hear me, and hear me clearly. Some of you are like, that has nothing to do with my life. I won't ever plant a church. I won't ever go across the water to another nation and live there. But God is using you to renew culture through creativity and order. And that also is a part of the kingdom expanding everywhere he is. And I want you to hear that. That's vital for us. Like our reach isn't just how do we plant another church. It's how do we have people who are so consumed by the spirit of God that they naturally create beauty and order everywhere they go that draws people into this kingdom experience of who God is. Are you guys hearing me? That's so much more fun than like let's let's just plant another church. And I'm a church planter. So hear me. Hear me clear. I love it. If you want to plant a church, come talk to me. We'll do it, okay? We'll make it happen. We'll send you to Timbuktu tonight. It's going to be great. But what we don't want is a house full of people who do not know how to live in the beauty and the dream of God in their community. Right? Because what pierces to the heart is the creativity of the Spirit. And God's actually given birth to something, I think, in our church. Perhaps one of the reasons... Like Rebecca said that I feel um, depleted or weak this morning is because this word uh, I think is for us in a way that I can't even measure out. That there are so many artists in this house, and I don't just mean painters or sketch artists. I mean you bring 
artistic value into the expression of the world. Like how you do finance, you're an artist. How you do education, you're an artist. I have multiple mechanics in here. The way that you treat customers and you rethink and engineer systems. Hang out with Casey for a couple hours and just listen to him talk about all the different systems he wants to reinvent. You know what I mean? Like, we, we have a house full of creators and makers and builders and dreamers. And there is this thing on Columbus that says we have to export everything that is artistic and creative because it doesn't belong here. And I really believe that the Lord has something for people who can dream his dreams and think his thoughts and bring that into the way that we do culture. Are you with me? God wants to renew culture and save the lost, and he will use creativity and the movement of the Spirit in your life, emblazoning his power through you, you as you are. Poetry and paint and dance and mathematics. Praise God, somebody has to do it. And engineering and medicine. It's not small. It's huge. God is renewing culture through that. The Holy Spirit is the consummate artist. He brings color and texture and story to the world around us. And he is the administrator of heaven. The Holy Spirit is the resource manager of the Trinity. He knows exactly what to take from what is God's and share it with you in a moment of need that brings supernatural resource to a thing that is otherwise depleted and won't be accomplished. God can do it. Have you ever felt like God promised you something and then that you didn't have anything that you needed to accomplish it? And you leaned in by faith and trusted the Spirit that He would breathe on it. And suddenly, the resource of heaven shows up. It's not calculable. It's not like one plus one equals two. God's working in a different kind of math. He he produces and provides in us in ways we cannot measure out and calculate. Some of you have a dream in your heart that's burning. It's burning and you don't have a roadmap to get to it. And the Lord says, I can produce that. The Holy Spirit is the resource manager of heaven. He can get you the resource that is needed when you trust the Holy Spirit who is working. Will we trust him? See, God is the creator. And when we live life in the spirit, we become co-creators who order our community and our world with his beauty. So, friends, we need artists committed to exposing the world to the beauty of God. We need artists who move past simply making a living off of their art. We need artists who move past Um, simply trying to impress people around us with what we create and people who can live into the selfless, redemptive love of God. And that takes a very different muscle, right? We are desperate for kingdom administrators who can order and organize and structure things in a way that puts God's beauty on display. And both of those things flow from the Spirit of God. Now, I don't, can I just confess something to you? I am probably more interested in what I'm talking about today than anything I've talked about in months. And I feel less capable of talking about this than anything else. Because I think it's maybe very deep, and we have very spiritual language that gets divorced from this pretty fast. And I believe God wants to give birth to something in those who feel like, man, God has made me to make things that create change and awaken people to the reality of God. 
And we can pull that spirit, we can lean into that spirit of God in every industry that we're in. Every industry we're in. Are you with me? Like, you don't have to be a, a, multi, uh, a multimedia art specialist or something to do this. You see the Spirit of God who creates and brings beauty and order and say, God, what does that have to do with Synovus? Lord, what does that have to do with Teen Challenge? Father, what does that have to do with FedEx? Lord, what does that have to do with selling cars? How do I bring the beauty and the order of heaven into that? Are you with me? Okay. Just a quick note for my creators in the room. Um, if, if you find yourself saying, man, I, I don't know if I'm an artist, but I feel like a creative. Can I just give you a couple notes? Um, there's this redemptive blueprint for how creation works with the spirit. And, and if I can just help you, uh, if you're taking notes, draw a triangle on your note page. Okay. If you've been around me for long, you've seen this probably multiple times. It's not on the screen. So let me just describe it to you. Um, in art and creativity, most often um, the people who are drawn into the arts and creative things are feelers. They're highly sensitive to what's happening around them. There's a different kind of awareness. And so that process often begins with discernment. And so if you're a creative in the room, you probably live in this space of discernment. Now, in the scriptures, we talk about distinguishing between good and evil, that that is the gift of discernment. But can I tell you, in, in creative spaces, that oftentimes you are actually discerning brokenness, and that is what art is born out of 99.9% .9 of the time, brokenness, right? I see all my artists shaking their heads, which is interesting. <laughs> this is the space. We start off with what is broken in the world, and that is creating some alternate perspective on something that is devastated or shattered. It's bringing to new light something that has not been seen in the past. It begins with discernment. But as an artist, if you just live in discernment, you're constantly just broadcasting what's broken and you're never talking about what God sees. Are you with me? So most of the time in artistic spaces, you get into the rap scene, Andrew, am I right? And most of the time, what is exposed first is deep brokenness and more brokenness that comes from it. Like that's just, that's the discerning piece. But the second part of that process is intercession. And so if you're an artist, you're starting with discernment at the top that I can actually discern. I can see what is good and I can see what is broken in the world around me. But then I'm led into this place of intercession. And that is that biblical term of, of intervention, right? That, that we are invited to step into the brokenness and to say, God, what are you up to? God, what do you want to do here? I can tell you all day long what's broken, but let's talk about the intervention. God, what is it that you want to do with fatherlessness in our city? I don't want to just write or paint on fatherlessness, but never step into the matter in a way that I can get God's heart for it. Are you with me? That moves me past just being a critic who stands on the sidelines and talks about the problems to someone who has skin in the game. The job of a kingdom-minded creative is to step in. Not to just sit on the sidelines and talk about it. It's to step in. you got to get into it. That's intercession. That third piece is prophecy. What does God say? I see that there's fatherless, fatherlessness. I see that there's gang violence and gang activity. I can intercede. I step in and I ask the question, God, what are you doing? What do you want to do about it? And then prophecy is I say what God says. 
See, true kingdom art isn't ever going to stop at brokenness. It always leads and loves and pushes people toward the redemptive prophetic word. That God is speaking something into that. God has something to say about gang violence in our city. God has something to say about poverty in our city. God has something to say about racism and and brokenness in our city. He has something to say about the fact that some elementary schools get lots of money and other elementary schools get very little money. The Lord has something to say about that. Now, that's discernment, what I just did. Did you feel it? It was tension. Here's a problem. I can give you problems all day. All of us are good at giving each other problems. Kingdom-minded creativity means you step in and you get the prophetic word over it. So can we be a people who not only see the issue, but we have the push to step into the process and say, God, what are you saying? How do we lean in as kingdom people? You say where two or more are gathered in your name, there you are with them. That we actually release heaven in this place. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Intercession. God, what does it look like for heaven to come into that? What does it look like for heaven to move into the situation in Smith Station with the former mayor? What does that look like? What does it look like for heaven to move into the situation at IHOP and Mike Bickle and speculation? What What does that look like? And can we be people who say what God says? Who can put it in expressive language and image and story in a way that causes people's gaze to go upward? Are you with me? The writer of Hebrews quotes God as saying, be sure that you build things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. He's talking about Bezalel. Now listen, this is really important. Uh, With creativity, often you live reactively, just responding to what you see, staying in discernment. But you need to make the full loop and get to prophecy. He says there is a pattern shown us on the mountain. If God is trying to bring the stuff of heaven here, he actually wants us to understand what he's up to. God wants to give you revelation when you approach whatever you're doing. Right? Like your pen is not your pen. Your screwdriver is not your screwdriver, man. David and Caleb, your film company is not your film company. Deal with it. Like it's the Lord's, it was his idea The stuff that you write can't be yours. Do you see the difference in the weight that that creates? It's not yours. I can't preach what I want to preach. I have to preach what I feel like the Lord is leading me to preach. What are you teaching? Is it yours or is it his? See, God wants us to learn how to lean in to find his revelation as we build, as we paint, as we do photography and script writing. If it's God's reality, we need God's revelation. And for my administrators in the room, my systems thinkers, the people who I can say an idea and you can give me 17 steps that it's going to take to get there. First off, can I just say thank you? You don't get love in the body. No, seriously. You get get dumped on a lot. That administrators and people who know how to get things done, we attach that all the time to Mary and Martha and we forget that Jesus ate a meal because Martha was there. Are you with me? There were clean clothes and clean linens and everything got done because Martha was thinking. Jesus corrects this moment where he needed to be focused, uh, where she needed to be focused on praise. But he wasn't saying don't ever do stuff. 
Martha got junk done. Are you with me? This administrative gifting is the first thing we see the Holy Spirit up to as he starts to see God's vision and he puts it to work. And so can I just say thank you to the administrators in the room who have gone to sleep on the fact that that's God's touch on your life? And can I tell you that we desperately need people who know how to make things move? I have tons of artists. You know, my experience with artists is we talk a lot and get very little done. <laughs> right? Just try to like set up a meeting with a bunch of artists. <laughs> Me in a room by myself, right? But there is, there is a creative administration, and there is an artistic way to administrate. There's a way to get God's vision and revelation of something and then put it to work in, in a space. And, and so for those of you who are like that, my systems thinkers, remember that the system or the method is never the goal. Hear that. If you're an administrative person, the system or the method is a tool. It's not a goal. And the gift of administrator is to stay flexible and to grow as a visionary who can see the heart of God and the vision of God married with the plans of God. And when you do that, you will mobilize resources to meet needs. That's the thing. God, what is your heart for this business? Some of you are in a business that you do not like. And perhaps it has to do with the fact that you haven't gotten God's vision for it. Are you with me? If you're an administrator, if you have some organizational capacity and you're in a space that you don't like, you're going to start working against the methodology and constantly critiquing and questioning the leadership. Can I, can I just encourage you that submission and humility is always the way forward and learning to ask the bigger questions. Lord, what is your vision for this place? What is your vision for my floor at the hospital? What is your vision for my work on Fort Moore? What is your vision Lord, and if I can catch your vision, then I know how to get resources to meet those needs. Are you with me? The, 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 the method, the system is never the goal. It's always the tool. And I just wonder in this room, uh, I'm, I'm wrapping up. I just kind of want to seed little time bombs and hopefully they go off in you later. I wonder what latent ideas and dreams and projects that the Lord has inspired and he has put down deep, deep, deep in your heart in this room and you've been treating those gifts of creativity and organization as your own, and so you've just let them go quiet. And I, I think what the Lord wants to do is tell you that these things are particular, and he has chosen them, and he has put them in you with purpose. That he wants to bring beauty and order into the world, and he wants to use you in your industry and in your workspace and in your family and neighborhood to do it. I wonder if today, if God isn't filling you with his spirit to bring heaven to earth in a brand new way. Not in a tent of meeting out in the middle of a wilderness, but in culture changing ways in Columbus, Georgia. In Smith Station, Alabama. In Phoenix City, Alabama. What is the spirit creating and ordering through you to shape the world? Are you with me? Um... You know, uh, a very pragmatic, tangible. I want this house filled with art and creativity and beauty. Right now, we do have a bunch of blank canvases. But I believe that this is meant to be a place where we draw people's imagination and their hearts upward into who God is. That when you step in, you get a vision of heaven. And what does it look like for us to do that, not just in this space, these blank canvases, 
but on the community canvas out here in the yard. That just, it's a divine interruption. You drive by in a neighborhood that is hopeless in so many ways in East Highland, and suddenly you're confronted with the reality of the kingdom. What would that be like? And what is it like for you to recognize that God chooses you as a little hyperlink of the kingdom? Whenever people come past Jeff Redman and they get involved with his life, they experience the Lord. That is what he wants out of us. May beauty and order bleed out of this community. May creativity and art and passion, systems and methodologies and new ideas, may this be a birthing place for what God alone can do. Folks, let's bring heaven to earth. It, it came in Jesus. The Holy Spirit has sent it, and we call out to be filled by him again today. And as you stand to your feet, um, I just want us to ask the Holy Spirit to start this process, to fill us with his creativity and his passion and his power. That he would fill us with his spirit. Father, I thank you that when the Holy Spirit comes, he takes two-dimensional thoughts and he turns them into four-dimensional dreams. Dreams and visions. It's artist language. Lord, we confess uh, that we, man, we move into pragmatism. I move into pragmatism, God. It gets black and white and still and small. But God, you are you are creating a bigger vision and a bigger dream. Lord, you're expanding our capacity. And Father, I pray, Father, in this room, that you would begin to speak by your Holy Spirit new creative thoughts and ideas and imaginations to renew our culture. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're invading every industry by your Holy Spirit in your people. Lord, we ask you in this room today, I thank you that you're just giving new thoughts. Would you just do something right now? Would you begin by just saying, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Would you fill us again? Lord, we thank you that you have promised the Holy Spirit. That means I can ask boldly because you've already given him to me. I just lay hold of everything you've promised. Father, we ask you right now that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would turn this two-dimensional black and white drawing into a four-dimensional, vibrant, colorful movement of the Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you're breathing new life like you did in Jasmine, Lord, like you did in Rachel, Lord. You're bringing things to life. You're awakening new things. You're healing broken bodies. You're restoring families and neighborhoods and city systems. Father, I thank you that you haven't called us to shrink back, but you have filled us with the Spirit of the Creator. And so, Father, we say, come and create through us and create in us. Your word says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are God's workmanship, his poem created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance. And so today, if you don't know him, the Lord, who is your creator, who is the artist who calls you his poem, he wants to come and introduce himself to you. If you just want to give your life to him, the one who loves you, the one who confronts creation with love and compassion, if that's you, would you just lift your hands and say, I want to know him. I want to know that God. I know the God who's just like a cosmic policeman. 
who I've just got to do X, Y, and Z to follow and to behave. And the Lord says, I want to come and make you new. I want to come and make you new. I want to teach you what it is to be full of the spirit of life. Father, would you teach us? Lord, I thank you that you're seeding a word in us. And I pray, Father, for the fruitfulness that comes when the water of the spirit flows. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, I thank you for the books that are going to rise out of this room and change communities and nations. We thank you, Father, for the films that are going to rise out of this room and they're going to change communities and nations. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the divine administration, the systems and methods that are going to reform insurance systems and reform counseling practices. Father, reform the way that churches do benevolence. Father, all the things that we see and the things we don't, Lord, we ask you to come, Holy Spirit, and give birth to new things among us. We thank you. We thank you. Lord, we ask you to come and to do it. Lord, any place where our imaginations have gone quiet and have gone to sleep, I thank you that you're breathing in new thoughts and ideas and compelling visions for the future. Come, Holy Spirit. As I was preparing, I was reading on George Washington Carver. Uh, he made 300 inventions out of the peanut plant. 300. And his story goes that it was actually the Holy Spirit who showed him what to do. He wasn't just coming up with stuff. He was relying on God to teach him so that he could change systems and methodologies and inventions. What is the Holy Spirit pointing at in your life? Where's his finger at work in you where he says, I want you to bring my beauty and let it order things in your world. Perhaps you feel like you're living disordered today and the Lord says, I'm breathing the order of my kingdom into your life. Put Jesus at the center. He orders everything. Right now, if that's you, and you're just like, you know what? I don't have Christ at the center of who I am. I've built my life on things that I like, my preferences, my goals. I would tell you that you are moving into disorder and chaos. And the Lord invites you to the order of heaven. So Jesus, we invite you to come back to the center. Back to the center of our church, Lord, of our lives, of our work. Come, Lord, reign supremely from the center. We thank you that you order all things. Come, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we commit ourselves to something that moves past uh, two-dimensional life and just trying to get the American dream. Uh, Lord, we join this adventure of what you're creating in the world around us. an impression that there are a lot of words that the Lord is going to give to individuals in the room for one another today. Um, can I ask you to be, to be slow and to be faithful? Like, listen, because the Lord wants to give words to individuals for other individuals in the room. He wants to give birth to some new things. Um, and so I'm going to speak a blessing over you. If you have kids, you feel free to go and pick them up and bring them back in. If you just want to sit and wait and pray, we want to ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us. Remember, we're not pursuing 
creativity. We're pursuing Jesus who fills us with his Holy Spirit and his Holy Spirit is the one who creates. Are you with me? And so seek the Spirit. Wait on the Spirit. Hunger for the Spirit and he will fill you. Amen. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit, would you just come up at the end? We'll just have some people lay hands on you and we'll pray for you uh, and just join with your faith. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face to you and give you peace. Father, we thank you that what you're doing in this room is a gift and a grace to your people. Would you come and fill us? In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to linger and pray, I want to invite you to come do that. If you guys are on our prayer team, those of you who are part of our Wednesday nights and you're steadily with us, would you just come? Uh, we want to minister to a couple of people. Thank you guys. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon at Fountain City Church. We hope that you are blessed by this message today. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out our website at fountaincity.org.